welcome to Here to Thrive. I'm your host, Kate Snowwise. This is a podcast for people who are ready to step up and live a happier life. It's for those of us who are dedicated to understanding ourselves and getting the best that we can out of this thing called life. It's a mix of psychology and modern spiritual thought, always with a focus on practical advice so that you can take it back and apply it to your own life. I don't believe we're here to merely survive. I truly believe we're here to thrive. So let's get going. I'm honored to invite our guest, Jen Bovee, on the podcast today. She's a psychotherapist, mindset coach, hypnotherapist, and spiritual mentor. She also writes for the Huffington Post. You can find her at her website, jenbovee.com. That's J-E-N-N-B-O-V-E-E.com. In this episode, we talk about her personal journey and how important a lesson boundaries were for her. We also touch on exactly what boundaries are, how you can identify your own boundaries. Jen explains the three differing types of boundaries. And we also touch on some of the traits of empaths and why boundaries are especially important for them. Now, the line on this call was a little bit fuzzy, and I'm sure you'll notice that as you listen, but all of the amazing information that Jen shares is still there. So please bear with us and let's get into it. about yourself, Jen, and how you got to where you are today. So growing up, um, I didn't, nobody in my family talked about boundaries. It wasn't a topic of conversation. And I don't ever remember my friends or even hearing about boundaries in school. Um, And I remember growing up, I, I wanted to change the world. I wanted to make the world a better place. I wanted to make the world a happier place, a place that lives and breathes from its soul versus from its head, which gets us lot confused lots of times. Um, And so as I grew up and um, I put myself through college, which was interesting and I became a psychotherapist. And recently, the last couple of years, I've switched to becoming a mindset coach because it's kind of a no brainer from there. But I remember being I was really sick mentally years ago. And I remember being, I don't know, somewhere between 25 and 22 and sitting in a therapy group and somebody talking about boundaries. And it was the first time I'd ever heard the word. And it was the most foreign concept to me ever. Like they kept asking me what my boundaries were and they kept saying it over and over. And I had no idea what this word even meant. So I went home and I like pulled out my dictionary because that's my go to. And I learned that a boundary is basically a line, a limit between you and I or or me and someone else or me in that situation. And it fascinated me. It utterly fascinated me. And I started doing more and more research on it. And I really use boundaries a lot in my practice today, whether it's with my coaching clients or my psychotherapy clients, because I feel like we've done a disservice to our children and to our children's children and not teaching them about boundaries better. So a little bit about your backstory, Jen. What did your history look like? What led you to being a mindset coach? What what does the past look like? It's messy and ugly, honestly. I um after I graduated with my master's degree in social work, I 
I think it was probably three months later, I had a massive suicide attempt where I took 30 pills that were designed to slow down my heart. And I woke up a couple hours later and I was pissed, utterly pissed that I was still alive. So I went to my garage and I shut the doors and I shut the windows and I turned on my car and I knew I was going to end it then. And I was not going to have to live this miserable life because I had tried everything and nothing changed. And I woke up three and a half days later when my friend was walking through my garage trying to find me and I was still alive. And at that point in time, I made the decision that obviously someone in something better and higher than me decided I had a purpose here and I needed to start living it. So how old were you when that happened, Jen? Um, 28. Right. And so from then forward, you found the, the motivation and that higher purpose that you were meant for? Yes. And what does it look like from that part of your story? That was really the catalyst for everything. I, um, I, I knew that there was something, I knew I was meant for something different and I knew I was meant for something better rather than just living paycheck to paycheck and, you know, just letting people deplete me and drain me every day. And I knew that traditional psychotherapy had kind of failed me, not not in a blaming way, but it just wasn't the be all end all that I needed for my life. And I met a guy who taught me about hypnosis and he taught me all about the subconscious mind. And that was a complete game changer for me because I began to understand why no matter how hard I wanted to achieve a goal, whether it was implementing a boundary or whatever, I just couldn't because my subconscious mind was programmed for the opposite. And so now fast forward to where you're currently at in life, Jen, I know you're happily married, you have your (laughs) own business. Well, it's funny because I was telling my friends, I just came back from a retreat and I was telling them that, you know, six years ago, I was sitting let's go back seven, seven years ago, I was married to somebody else. And it was a completely miserable married marriage. We did not marry for love. I married him because he said he would marry me. And I didn't really feel like anybody would ever love me and nobody better would come along anyway. So I might as well just take what I could get rather than dying alone in a cardboard box. And I remember sitting in my own bedroom because I had my own bedroom when I was married to him. Um, and I, a friend had suggested I create a day in my perfect life. And I literally wrote down a day in my perfect life from the moment I opened my eyes to the time I went to sleep. And I just stuck that up on the bulletin board in my bedroom. I have no idea what happened to that paper even, but fast forward two and a half years and I'm walking through my house with my amazing husband and my two great bonus kids and our two dogs and our two, three cats. And I was like, holy crap, it happened. And everybody looked at me and they're like, what happened? And I'm like, the day in my perfect life, I'm living my perfect life right here, right now. It's happened. That is amazing. Yes. So you were manifesting something amazing when you put that down on paper. It was, yes. That is so cool. So you mentioned that boundaries are the line. Tell me a little bit more about how you define a boundary and who needs them and what types of people are susceptible to having boundary issues. So I boundaries for me, the way I define a boundary is it's a limit. It's a line that I draw where you end and I begin or where I end and you begin. It allows me to keep my stuff, my stuff and your stuff, your stuff without it all having to bleed all over both of us, um, which is my past experience. Like anybody had a headache. Oh, I, I can take that for you. Anybody had a heartache. Oh, I'll take that on for you. No big deal. I, I've got time. I'll, I'll handle it. Um, and so I believe that everybody needs 
needs boundaries. Um, you know, it's interesting because I, <laughs> I had a situation with my in-laws in which we had this family discussion. And at the end of it, my mother-in-law just kept saying over and over again, she just kept saying, I now understand Jen's boundaries. I now understand Jen's boundaries. And that made my day because I was like, if you took nothing else from this conversation, at least you know where my limits are. And I'm good with that. Yeah, I like that word limits. So it's about um, a limit. Yes, it, it's it's about the limits. It's about what I'm willing to accept as well as what I'm willing to give. And I think the people that are most susceptible to having boundary issues are those that were raised in any level of a dysfunctional family. And let's be honest, I think every family has a level of dysfunction. So everybody. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we all need boundaries. Yes. And how do we know if our boundaries are being crossed? So I've been thinking a lot about that. And, and for me, it was that when you walk away from a situation, something just isn't quite right, but you can't really put your finger on it. Like you're not sure if you should be offended or hurt or angry and you're just walking away, kind of shaking your head. Odds are your boundaries have been crossed. So it's like an internal feeling that something is off. Yes. I watched a, this was back in probably early late 90s I watched an Oprah episode which was interesting because I didn't typically watch Oprah but I actually this was back in the day of the VCR but anyway I actually called my mom and asked her to video record the Oprah episode because they were going to have somebody on there that was talking about boundaries and I was working in a substance abuse agency with women and I knew these women didn't have boundaries and I used to show this video all the time and the one thing that I took away from it was because I was an overcommitment person I would commit to anything anybody brought to my table and whether I wanted to do it or not and then either I didn't show up or if I showed up I was resentful and so I learned how to say you know what I need to check my calendar can I get back to you so so it's not like you necessarily had to say no immediately you had right. you had another way of saying I'm not going to commit to that right now Right. And the hilarious part of this whole story is my sister during this time called me and she was having like a housewarming party. They had just moved or something. And she's like, hey, we're having this party on Saturday. Do you want to come? And I said, I need to check my calendar and get back to you because that was the standard answer I was giving at that time to give me some emotional distance to figure out if I really wanted to do these things that I was agreeing to do. And she was like, you know what? Don't bother. And I'm like, what? And she's like, I know what that means. That's just code speak for I don't want to do it. And I don't want to tell you because I don't want to hurt your feelings. And I'm like, no, I legitimately need to check my calendar. I'll get back to you in a few minutes. And so I checked my calendar and I was free and I wanted to go. So I called her back and I'm like, I'll totally be there. And she was so confused and I felt bad because, you know, she was right in the past. That probably would have been code speak for I don't want to go and I just don't want to hurt your feelings. <laughs> so but for you, it was really it became about making sure you hadn't overcommitted yourself and putting too much drain yeah, and, and it was about making sure that I was honoring myself and my soul in making these commitments versus just doing it because it would make somebody else happy. So there's a huge key to whether or not your boundaries have been crossed, that yes. you're doing it from your soul, not to make someone else happy. Yes. I love that. That is so good. So what can we do about it? If we think that boundaries may be a little bit of an issue for us and we are perhaps allowing our boundaries to be crossed a little too frequently, and I'm assuming for lots of our listeners that could be in romantic relationships and friendships, what can you do about it? 
So what I typically encourage my clients to do is I typically encourage them to start with writing down their boundaries because for a lot of people, this is a complete game changer and they're not even sure. Like I've, I've been working with so many people on this and I had a client recently. I looked at her and I said, I just want you to like make a list of boundaries. And she was so overwhelmed. It physically made her sick that week. And we talked about it and I said, okay, perhaps that was too vague. And she was like, it was totally too vague. And so now I typically have my clients, I, I give them sentence completions. And so there's three sentence completions that I typically use. Wonderful. The first one is people may not. The second one is I have a right to ask for. And the last one is to protect my time and energy. It's okay to. Then you have people just free write afterwards to yep, I finish typically, those. Yeah. I typically encourage them to do 12 to 15 sentence completions with that. And, and honestly, most people struggle to come up with the third, first three to five. And then after that, it just starts to flow. But it's those first three to five, five that are game changers. And, and they've never even conceptualized putting limits on what people can do or, or interact with them like. That is amazing. I think those are such empowering starters to help people really work out what their boundaries are and what their limits are. How else can we protect our boundaries? So I, part of the reason I really encourage people to write these down and I encourage them to handwrite them down because what happens when we handwrite things down, it programs a certain part of our subconscious mind. And so by doing so, it makes it more accurate and more valid in our experience. And then it becomes easier to honor those things. And and the biggest lesson for me in boundaries has been that, let's be honest, not everybody's going to respect my boundaries. And that's okay. That's okay. Because if they don't respect my boundaries, then I get to make one of two decisions. I either decide the boundary is not that important to me, or I decide to remove myself from that situation until they can respect my boundary. But I'm not going to get into an arguing match over this is my boundary. You have to honor it. That, that, that's a waste of time for me. Right. So you said you either remove yourself from the situation or mm-hmm. reevaluate your boundary. Right. Because sometimes the, the boundaries that we set down on paper are amazing and wonderful. And then when real life happens, it's like, wow, that wasn't such a great boundary to establish right now. I need to change that. It wasn't as <laughs> realistic as I thought it might be. Yes. Yes. How do you know it's something that you would call a boundary? Absolutely. So for me, in the beginning, it was things like people may not yell at me. People may not swear at me. People may not put me down. People may not treat me in a derogatory manner. Those were the biggest and the hardest ones for me to honor. And I felt like in honoring myself, I lost some friendships and some people. And that had to be okay. So you feel like it's a little bit about that self-respect piece. Would that be fair to say? Absolutely. Because what happens is when you're establishing boundaries, you're saying, I'm no longer going to accept any toxic dump that comes my way. I'm going to, I'm going to stand up for myself and assert my own rights and love myself through this. That is so powerful. I feel like, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but often boundaries become an issue in our personal relationships with probably our loved ones. Can you talk a little bit about perhaps your experiences with seeing people in those kind of situations? situations or your own experiences 
Absolutely. So one of my clients now, we started talking about boundaries and I just explained to her the definitions and I gave her the sentence prompts and she went home and she was kind of militant in it. And she came back the next week and she's like, everybody hates me. And I'm like, what? And she, I said, why? And she's like, I don't know. I just kept telling him that's crossing my boundary. Stop crossing my boundary. Stop doing this. And I'm like, okay, we probably need to take a few steps back and simmer that down and, and ease into establishing and, and, you know, solidifying boundaries versus just chopping people's heads off because they crossed a boundary. Oh yeah. In my own experience, um, you know, I learned that a part of boundaries for me was learning that I taught people how to treat me. I agree. I absolutely agree with that. And I very much believe we teach people how to treat us. Absolutely. All day long. And with my mom, she would always make these, what I lovingly have called well-intentioned dumbass comments about my weight or about my hair color or about whatever. And so what I've ended up teaching her is that those topics are completely off limit and that's not okay to even bring that stuff up. And the way that I taught her that is I would stop talking to her when she would cross that line. I would end the call and I would go about my day and I wouldn't think twice about it. But she kept crossing it over and over and over again. And we're finally at a point and I am 41 and a half. I'll be 42 next week. I, I am finally at a point now where she no longer tries to cross that boundary. I don't. And it was funny because I didn't see her for, I don't know, three or four years. They didn't, I didn't have any contact with them. And when I reconnected with them, I had a nose piercing. And it was funny because when my husband asked me, he's like, why do you want a nose piercing? And I said, because it's the most socially rebellious thing I can think of doing and still be okay with. And he's like, all right, okay, <laughs> I think it's hot. That's fine. Go ahead and do it. So the first time I saw her, she literally put her finger on her nose which is a huge violation for me because I don't like anybody touching my nose. And she's like, what's that? And I said, it's exactly what you think it is. And I just went on about my day. Right. So she's just sitting there speechless. Like you didn't even feed into that. You didn't even argue. What? So I love that example, Jen. And thank you for being willing to share that with us, that you've really taught your mother what is okay and not okay when it comes to your conversations and your interactions. And it sounds like it's really had an impact on your relationship with her. Well, it, and it has. And, you know, there are times that I still, you know, I, when I, when, when my first blog got published on Huffington Post, I called her and I was so excited to share with her that my blog got published. And not once in that conversation did she say congratulations. Not once did she say I'm proud of you. She instead turned it all about her. And when I got off the phone, I had to honestly evaluate what my, what my motives were. I knew that's what that would be her response. And so I'm expecting people to change without any evidence that they have done any work to change. And so part of my boundaries today is being realistic in my expectations of others, because if they have been this way for 60, 70 years, they're probably not going to change now. I think that's a really important point. Mm -hmm. And it's about, I think does, it comes back to that point, doesn't it, that you mentioned mm -hmm. earlier around when you know a boundary is being crossed, like you said, you either become more flexible with your boundary and you show some grace or you have to remove yourself from the situation. Yes. Yeah. 
So I love that. Is there anything else you would like to mention about boundaries? So for me, there are three different types of boundaries. Typically, there are rigid boundaries. And those are the people that you can't get close to emotionally because they're so guarded and so protected with their rigid boundaries. You just can't penetrate those. And then there's the people with solid boundaries or fluid boundaries where the boundaries are kind of able to to match the situation. And if things change, their boundaries are easily able to keep up with those. And then those are, there are the people like I used to be who had a meshed boundaries. And people with enmeshed boundaries, their crap is laying all over the lawn and it's not even their lawn because they have no sense of where they stop and where you start. So I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to be any one of those three. I think the healthy perspective though is to be the person with the more fluid boundaries um, because if it gets too rigid, it closes you off and energetically that's not a healthy position to be in. So I like to have my boundaries be pretty fluid and pretty, some, some boundaries Boundaries are absolutely rock solid. One of my personal boundaries for health reasons is I don't I don't allow people to smoke around me and that's okay. My experience with boundaries is that once I started establishing boundaries, like my, this is hilarious, but my husband and kids had never really heard the word boundaries before. And I'm such a big boundary freak that they now use this word like it's going out of style. Like my stepdaughter will come home and she'll talk to me about somebody who has no boundaries because they just talk about all this stuff in front of everybody. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's not a very solid boundary. You should be a better example for her. She's like, I totally am. I'm like, yes. <laughs> Perfect. I like that. So now they understand boundaries and are conscious about enacting uh, healthy yes. boundaries for themselves to protect their own well-being. Yes. That Which doesn't mean that, that we have a closed off relationship because I'm very, very close with both of my bonus kids and we talk about just about everything, but I'm, a, I mean, I want them to grow up to be healthy, independent adults. And so it's my responsibility to role model for them having healthy boundaries. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that. I think it is so important. I'd really just uh, love if you could summarize some key points for our listeners about boundaries. One of the things that it's in, it's crucial to keep in mind is that so many times when we discover or start to establish boundaries, people in our lives are not used to that. And the reality is that we teach people how to treat us. And if you've known somebody or been in a relationship with somebody for 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years, they're going to struggle to adapt to this new you, to these changes that you desire to implement. And that can be a big stumbling block for a lot of people. And it's easy to get resentful because, well, my boundary is you're not allowed to to say I'm fat you're not allowed to say I'm ugly and you keep saying these things in a joking manner but it's not funny and you have to stop and consider the fact that have you allowed that for how long and and if you have maybe it's best to just exude a little bit of grace and and compassion to them and help them to understand why boundaries are so important to you and why you, you chose those particular boundaries. I also make it a habit not to get in a pissing match with people about boundaries because nothing good is going to come from that. I don't typically ever establish my boundaries out loud. I know them in my head. I can recite them verbatim in my head. Um, and so I don't need to enforce them with anybody. I simply quietly make the decision on my own, whether it's a boundary I need 
need to reevaluate later or whether I need to remove myself from this situation. And either choice is okay. That is brilliant. So I know, Jen, as well as being a mindset coach, you also um, work as a spiritual mentor. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you've written a, uh, a article I read a while back on the Huffington Post about boundaries for empaths. Do you want to touch a little bit on what an empath is and why boundaries may be specifically relevant for them? That would be great. Yes. So an empath is basically a person who senses or feels other people's energy. And it's interesting because I didn't know that my abilities weren't quote unquote normal until a few years ago. Like I could look at somebody and tell if they were lying. I could look at somebody and tell what they were thinking. And it wasn't until I met my current husband that he's like, that's not a hundred percent normal. And I'm like, what do you mean? Everybody can do it. And he's like, no, I really can't do that. And I'm like, wow, why not? What's wrong with you? And he's like, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm just normal. And I'm like, oh my, I don't think I want to be normal then. Um, And so I, Part of why establishing boundaries was so important was because if I came home and the kids like had a headache or if they were puking, I was like, oh, it's okay. I'll help you through that. And pretty soon they're off doing whatever they want to do. And I have a headache or I'm puking because I just absorbed that stuff from them. So with empaths, they literally absorb the energy of people around them. Yeah, I describe empaths as energetic sponges. I like that. Because it's basically my experience. You know, if I walked into a, prior to having really solid boundaries, if I walked into a room and and people were really angry, it was like 2.7 seconds before I was livid. And I couldn't, and then when somebody would be like, well, why are you so upset? Well, I don't. No, I got nothing. I don't know why this keeps happening to me. And then once I met my husband, he's like, he he actually handed me this quiz one day. And it's 30 traits of an empath. And it's on mindunleashed.org, I think. And like, I said yes to all 30 of those. And he's like, okay, so we need to start working on boundaries. And I'm like, I have... I have immaculate boundaries. What do you even mean? And he's like, no, I mean more boundaries for like not absorbing people's energy. And so for me personally, my biggest boundary to this day, as far as being an empath is, I want to be aware of the energy, but I'm absolutely unwilling to absorb it. I want to just do a little bit of a um, turnaround now and and as part of the podcast is a little bit of a fun intermission with some questions that are a little bit off topic that I'm going to be asking each and every guest. Are you a morning person or a night person, Jen? <laughs> well, that's a great question. In theory, I'm a night person um, because I get my second wind right at bedtime, but I like to be a morning person, but I'm always behind the eight ball in the morning. So I'm going to have to go with that. I'm a night person. You're a night person. You're a <laughs> night owl. And what is currently sitting on your nightstand? Oh, I don't even remember. It's a Shannon Kaiser book that uh, one of my coaches sent me. It's a daily meditation book. Oh, her daily mantras book. Yes. Perfect. Uh, That is a great book, by the way. I love opening it for for little uh, bits of wisdom. It's very Mm -hmm. good. Uh, What is your favorite self-care activity? For me, it's taking a bubble bath. A bubble bath? Mm -hmm. You're in bliss when you take a bubble bath? Yes. Like my husband will come in and he'll be like, Jen, you've been in there for two and a half hours. How much longer are you going to be in there? And I'm like, I'm not done yet. Go away. (laughs) That is so brilliant. All right. Uh, What is your favorite book? 
let's see if I had to pick one book that would be my favorite because I'm always reading three or four at a time it would probably be the four agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz yeah and why would that be your favorite because that's one of the books that changed my life it um it taught me about how not to take things personally it taught me about improving my communication so I wasn't constantly making assumptions. And it taught me about letting go of the shame and guilt of not being good enough because I was doing the best I could in every situation. Your favorite mistake in life, Jen? Well, <laughs> it would have to be marrying my ex-husband because it was through that process that I met my current husband. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. What is the one thing in your day you can't do without? My puppy. Your puppy. What's your puppy's <laughs> name? JC. And what kind of puppy? Oh, she's a half. She was supposed to be half German Shepherd, half Black Lab, but she's half German Shepherd, half Corgi. <laughs> I have a Corgi. I am a Corgi lover. So I'm sure she is adorable. So she's and not too so, tall, I'm gathering. No. And, and when she's laying down, you think she's full-blooded German Shepherd until she stands up and you're just waiting for her to keep standing up. And then you're like, oh, that's <laughs> as tall as you go. <laughs> <laughs> I love Corgi's little legs. I yes. absolutely adore them. All right, now the, one, now the one question in the intermission that's a little bit uh, deeper. So how would you describe the soul? Hmm, the soul is the life essence. It's that, it's that thing that's combined with our passion and our purpose and our very being. Um, and, and when you see somebody's soul, you can't mistake it for anything else and you have no choice but to honor it for what it is. Beautiful. Beautiful. All right. So anything else you want to mention about boundaries, Jim, before we wrap up? This has been a wonderful conversation. I feel like I've learned a lot. And um, I really love that takeaway point around those question prompts, which I'm going to put on my website and also links back to your website for our listeners to be able to go and establish their boundaries after listening to the podcast. You know, if I had to give people one takeaway, it would be, it would honestly be just to make it fun. Make it fun. You know, don't get caught up in the rigidity of it. Don't get caught up in the rights and wrongs of it. Make it fun. Have a good time with it because then you're going to be more inclined to come back to the topic and keep revisiting it. I remember when, when my, I, Yes, I do know who it was. I remember when the first person looked at me and said, do you have any boundaries at all? And I was like, what? I don't know. Do I? She's like, no, you don't. You let people come into your house, stay on your couch for weeks at a time with paying no rent, and then they steal from you. And you think that's perfectly okay. That's pretty much the epitome of not having boundaries. And now I can look back at that and I can laugh and be like, wow, that was over the top. People aren't allowed to stay in my house anymore. <laughs> and that's okay. And you can recognize your growth, which is amazing, yes. and how far yes. you've come since you've become aware of boundaries and what is and is not okay. Yes. And, and that's honestly the summary of it. What is and is not okay. Because at the end of the day, if whether it's my boundaries for how I interact with other people or boundaries for how I allow people to treat me, if it's not okay, I don't want to be doing it. I love that. Thanks for tuning in today. In the show notes, you'll find links to Jen's website and her social pages so you can follow her. You'll also find all of those links over at thrive.how, that's thrive.how forward slash podcast five, and that's the number five. 
I'm also going to pop in there a link to the Mind Unleashed article about empaths that she mentioned and the names of the two books which Jen talks about in this episode. If you have any questions, you can always reach out to me via my website, thrive.how, and I will see you back next week. Thanks for listening to Here to Thrive. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love if you could go into iTunes and subscribe and leave a review. I'll be back again next week with more tips on how to live a happier life. See you then.